Attention HR professionals. Are you tired of dealing with poor performance from your managers? Are you sick of having managers run to you for every single little problem? Would you like to build the confidence and competence of your management team? If so, then contact Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, we specialize in building up the skills and confidence of your organization's managers. We do this through our popular Driving Results on-site training programs, our signature program, the Video-Driven Boss Builder Academy, and we even license our course materials so you and your internal training staff can get those managers confident and competent. For more information on how we can help you improve the performance of your organization's managers, contact us today at www.thebossbuilders.com or at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about one day making the transition to the very stressful job of being the boss. If you're in the role, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is a tough job that never really ends. And if you are in the job, you know the level of stress that you deal with. Fortunately, we have a guest on today's show who has strategies to help us deal more effectively with it, namely by leveraging pressure the right way so we can minimize harmful stress. Our guest is Amy Bernstein. She is the founder of Open Mind Adventures. And what she does is she works with organizations, some really big, well-known organizations, helping them develop programs to leverage the pressure and minimize the stress. Amy's interview is a pretty long one, so it's a great one to listen to when you're on a long ride home from work. For some of you, you are going to say, no way, I'm not into this. This is mindfulness. Hey, I'm the boss. I don't deal with this. Hey, guess what? It works. So if you have an issue with it, just suck it up and listen and take some notes. I can guarantee if you begin to implement the strategy she talks about, you will find not only will you be more effective, people are going to look at you when you get in the room and they're going to say, oh my goodness, this person owns the room. She's got some great stories of how that works. It's a long episode, one of the longest ones we've done on the podcast, but well worth the listen. At the end, there's some great contact information, and she's got a great offer for you. So with no further delay, let's meet our guest on the show, Amy Bernstein. Amy Bernstein, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Mac. I'm really glad we could spend some time together today. The topic is one that is relevant for anybody, pretty much, who is a working professional, and that is ways that you can turn pressure into a positive force in your life, which is the subtitle of your book, Stress Less, Achieve More. So we're going to spend our time together talking about some strategies to be able to do that. But before we get started, Amy, I was hoping you could share a little bit about your background with our audience. I'd be glad to. Um, you know, when it comes to stress, my interest in it came when I was about seven years old and I had petite mal. Petite mal is a mild form of epilepsy. And whenever I'd be under pressure, whether it was physical pressure, like being on the um, tennis court, or whether it was emotional pressure, like hearing my parents argue, I would get dizzy, I would have a seizure. Now, I grew out of uh, this petite mall when I was about 13 years old, but I still stayed in a state that I was in my head a lot and um, I could faint if too much pressure came on me. This lasted until I was in my late 20s when I met a master teacher named Robert Nadeau, who is an Aikido master. Aikido is a martial art that is uh, translated as the art of love or uh, the, res the harmonious resolution of conflict. That's how they talk about Aikido. And he studied with the founder. He wasn't just interested in a martial art because the guy was a cop. He knew how to take care of himself. He was interested in how the human system aligns to the universal system. And he taught us what he called at that time energy awareness training. 
he taught an inner map that uh, helped us align and open to energy or pressure. And um, I learned that pressure was the energy of change coming into my system to help me do the job. Now, I took that work, I was fascinated with it, and I studied with him for 10 years, and he's still my teacher, by the way, but um, I ended up taking this work into corporations. Now, I am a psychotherapist, I'm an executive coach, I'm a personal coach, I do training, I do organizational consulting. I've worked with organizations like Chanel, Colgate, um, Microsoft, MasterCard, Port of Singapore Authority, Novartis Latin America. I've done lots of things like team building and training and all of that. But more and more, I became interested in providing this, what I call mindfulness and action work to executives, leaders, different people in organizations, because I saw that everyone was so stressed out. And then in 2015, I wrote this book and um, Stress Less, Achieve More. And I've noticed that uh, more and more people are having the conversation about how do you stress less in life? So that's a, I should say too that um, my, my psychotherapy training was, uh, I did my master's at Boston University, but I did my training at Massachusetts General Hospital under the auspices of Harvard Medical School. So I had a real solid traditional background and um, I, I use the psychology and the neuroscience and the Aikido and the meditation as my approach to stressing less. Well, you know, you've worked with some amazing companies and it sounds like you do a lot of work with the executive suite. And I would imagine there's a significant amount of pressure there. I mean, after all, you have to justify those amazing salaries they get. But it seems to me that now every type of industry and every type of job and every level of employee is considered to be either high pressure or under high pressure. So from your perspective, what's going on here? Yeah. Uh, all industries these days because of AI and digitization are being disrupted, meaning that they have to change the way that they're doing things really quickly. So we'll see an organization, one change initiative, then another, then another, then another, you know, software programs are changing so quickly. Um, globalization is changing things. So uh, you're right. Every industry has been affected. The U.S. Army War College calls these days VUCA, vo volatile, uncertain, um, complex and ambiguous. We're in a state of evolutionary change and everyone is being affected. So you're not only being affected at work in, in, in terms of disruption, you know, your whole lives are being, all you have to do is turn on the TV and you get stressed out. You used to be able to send your kids to school and not worry. Now you worry, <laughs> you know, so right. everything is changing in life. And um, smartphones are calling our attention outside of ourselves. We're being pulled in so many directions. So you, so 96, according to Harvard Medical School, 96% of all senior leaders are burnt out. 96%. And, seven, and according to the CDC, 71% of all companies say that stress is the number one health risk these days. Wow. Yeah. So work is the new smoking, I guess, right? And here we thought it was sitting, huh? <laughs> That's a great way to say it, Mac. <laughs> I think we should all pick up cigarettes. We'd be a whole lot better off, wouldn't we? <laughs> but let's let's talk about the one thing that probably is the trigger. And you mentioned it a moment ago, and that is the smartphone. So, you know, I travel quite a bit. And it used to be, you know, you would talk to people on a plane or at the airport, and everybody's nose is buried in the phone. Everywhere you go, people are just, they're stuck on these things. They're addictive. So, um because this is something we can't live without, at least from my perspective, I don't think I could. What is a solution that you could use to deal with just that aspect of this constant stream of information that's hitting us? Yeah. The dreaded smartphone. Yeah. See, what we what has happened is we've either are abusing our smartphones or we're addicted to them. 
think of it like alcohol for a second. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have a drink. You can have a drink. That's fine. It's but if you start depending on it too much, if you start giving too much of your power away to it, it becomes an unhealthy thing. So the real key is to learn to master your attention. Because if my attention's always out on my smartphone, on my computer, on my tablet, on my this, on my that, you know, all my energy is being pulled outside of myself. My attention's outside me. When my attention is outside me, I lose connection with myself. I lose my sense of what is healthy for me, what I think, feel, need, want, um, when my attention's outside myself, uh, I lose my power. So what we need to do is, yes, you need to use your smartphone. I mean, we're in the 21st century, you have a smartphone. But it's about pulling that attention back so that I am rooted, embodied in myself. Now I have a choice. Do I answer that smartphone? Or do I continue to do the work that I'm doing or continue to meditate or continue to whatever I'm doing and choose to answer it a little bit later? Most calls, most texts are not, oh, God, I have to do it it's immediately. Uh, you know, someone's dying. Most of it is just an addiction that's going on. So for me, the answer is to master my attention, my own energy system then I can use smartphones and other uh, devices in healthy ways. It almost sounds as though a person, and I'm with you on this, this is me too, then if, if what you say is, is common, we're not paying attention to us, we go to the phone for validation. That It sounds like that is our companion. I guess just like alcohol or drugs or whatever is can be a companion if you're missing something in life, only now, everybody can have access to it, regardless of age. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. But it's also a great opportunity because now it's so apparent that we're out of sync with ourselves, that we're disconnected. You know, now, if we want to, we can choose to create a deeper relationship with ourselves. When you create a deeper relationship with yourself, you open the door to more possibilities, to more opportunities. You become, you open the door to less familiar qualities within yourself that can be just stunning and brilliant. You know, so sometimes some, when, we, when we have a bad thing happen in our life or we have a habit that isn't healthy, once we correct it, life changes. There's a transformation that happens that brings us to the next best version of who we are. And that's exciting to me. Well, it seems like that's the person that the company's paying a huge salary for anyway. Not the shallow version, the shadow version that's not completely there because they're distracted and it sounds like overstressed. Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It's what they're seeing now is productivity have gone down. Engagement has gone down as more and more people get burned out. You know, I, I mean, I can't, I, I, I have a friend whose daughter is the, uh, was the marketing director of a leading company, a Silicon Valley company. And she would call her mother every Sunday and cry because you know, she was so stressed out and she wasn't having fun. She wasn't engaged. She wasn't, she wasn't producing in the way that she wanted to produce because she was so running so fast. She was running faster, but not deeper. I thought at that time, oh, well, maybe it's because she's not as experienced. She's younger. But then I get a call from a senior vice president from a major fashion house who says to me, I'm going to quit my job. I can't stand this stress anymore. <laughs> so, so it has, you know, I mean, it's not about age. It's not about, it's not about what group you're in, you know, it's, it is affecting everybody. Well, then if, if it's affecting everybody, let's figure out how we can deal with it. So in your book, you talked about a difference between pressure and stress. So can you explain what the difference is with those? Yeah. There's a, first, let me say that there's a universal law which says whenever there's a job or task to do, energy comes into the system in the amount you need it to accomplish the job. 
Now, I used to be a rock and roll singer when I was in my 20s, you know, so <laughs> I know what it's like to stand in front of hundreds or thousands of people and entertain. And you get this rush in your system, you know, your heart beats faster and your legs shake a little bit and your stomach might tighten, you know, well, other people might not have had that kind of experience, but most people have asked their boss for a raise or presented to uh, a large group or walked down the aisle or <laughs> had a baby or something that was a major event in their life. And they felt that energy coming through their system, the adrenaline rush and all that. Okay. Now, when that comes through your system, if you resist it, if you close down to it, you are going to experience discomfort, distress. And if you continue doing that over time, you will experience disease. However, if you open and align to it, if you see that energy as your helper, it's a gift. If you open and align to it, just say yes, right? Get spacious with it. You will experience aliveness and joy and high performance. So pressure is this energy of change coming into your system wants to help you do the job to become the better version of yourself. Stress is when you close down to it, you collapse under it, you resist it. It's like you want pressure in your tire, but you don't want your tire to be stressed. Does that make sense? It does. So if a person was to say, hey boss, I am really under pressure, the boss could say, yeah, I know. That's kind of what we get paid to deal with here. If there was no pressure, then there would be no productivity. Stress then, if I'm hearing you correctly, is the unhealthy piece that comes when we don't deal with the pressure correctly. That's right. That's right. Yes, you're absolutely right. You need pressure uh, to perform, to be motivated. You know, but So we don't want to do away with that. That's just energy. Right. We like it, it's, right? It's, it's the stress that we've got to manage. That it's, you know, something it's I don't even know if I like the word manage anymore <laughs> because okay. that's such a doing. It's, you know, I got to do something to manage it. What I'm suggesting is a new way of being. You know, when I allow and I surrender and I stop fighting, then something opens up. I naturally, easily become the next best version of myself. You know, it's like when you're walking on the beach or you're having such a wonderful day or, you know, you see a bird you like, you just open naturally. Life gets big. But all this managing that I have to do, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want it to be one more thing I have to do. You know? You know? <laughs> no, that, that alone leads to more stress. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we on, on the shows, we get quite a few folks that talk about ways to handle, so I won't say manage anymore, but to uh, to address this issue of stress. And, and it's sort of the, the common themes we see is, is mindfulness, meditation, diet, sleep. I had somebody talk about sleep being the most important thing that you can do, um, have support around you. And yet in your book, you say that may not be enough. So uh, what else could there be for us? Yeah, and I should say that all of them are right. You know, uh, I, I practice meditation. I try to get enough sleep. I do all those things. But here's the thing. You can't do yoga poses in between back-to-back -back meetings. And even... I can't even do them aside from meetings. So <laughs> that takes it off the table for me. Yeah. A yoga pose is tying my shoe. So. <laughs> you know, and even when you meditate in the morning and you're feeling really good and calm and then you get on the highway and you're going to that meeting that you got to get to and there's gridlock. Are you still in the Zen zone? No, <laughs> no, you're not. You know, so the thing is, is that the brain, um, the brain uh, stores information based on arousal level. Okay, so when you're in meditation, you're very calm. Now, if I'm going to have a practice of meditation for years and years, and I'm really developed, you know, even when some uh, situation comes through that's more serious, I might be able to handle that, you know. 
But for most people, they don't have that kind of, they're not monks. They're not, they haven't had that kind of practice. They're doing microdosing in terms of meditation. So they don't have the deep roots. So in between the levels in the brain, it's like almost like amnesia. You don't, when you're really high pressure, you might not be able to draw on the calmness that you felt in meditation. So we need to find a way to train when we're under pressure. So the meditation is great, but we need, what I offer is an inner map and embodied practices that you can use anytime, anywhere. Because, you know, the life is so fast. A lot of people don't have time to go meditate. I mean, I wish they did, right. but they don't have time to go to the gym. We know you should go to the gym every night. Do you? You know, most people don't. So, Yes, do all those things and need to recollect ourselves, find a way, and that's what I'm offering, that that map, inner map, to stay connected with ourselves and open to a larger sphere. Okay. So the inner map, I mean, can you kind of take us through some steps of what that would look like? Yeah. The first thing is attention. Where is your attention? Is it here inside of yourself? You know, kind of like Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home. Or is it out there on somebody else, on the situation, on, you know, where is it? Now, most people, you know, they, it's like they say leaders, oh, take care of your people, do everything. Okay, put your attention out there, right? No, you've lost what you think, need, feel, want. You've lost connection. So some people keep their attention inside of themselves, but they're in their head. You know, well, they have all these great thoughts, all the great visions, but um, they're disconnected with their emotions, their sensations, their intuition. They're closed down. So they don't have a clue what other people think, feel, need, want. You know, they're emotionally unintelligent. The trick is to... Put your attention inside of yourself and then open and expand your field, right? So then I'm inside myself. I know what I think, feel, need, want, but I also can sense what you think, feel, need, want, okay? So that's the first thing, attention, learning where it is, learning how to bring it back, kind of like um, a fishing line. You send your fishing line out, you, you know how to reel it back. That's the first practice, the second thing is center, right? So people say, okay, I'm centered. They go to the gym, I'm centered. Okay, you're balanced. That's good, okay? But that's the, only the first level. Center is not like a location like New Jersey or Florida. Center is a process. And the more you get centered, and originally, and I, I don't know if people are going to understand this until they experience it, but originally what you feel is, I feel balanced. I feel that center inside myself. My right, left are uh, balanced, you know. Um, I feel stronger, okay. Over time, as you play with center, center is not in you. You are in center, you are in this center that's so big and strong, right? And open that you're able to connect. Your human system begins to connect with the universal system. Now, when that happens, magic happens. That's where you get, everyone has experienced this, by the way. That's when you get the great idea. You're in the shower, you know, you, you just get up out of bed after a nap or something, you have this great idea that came. Why? Because you opened up to the universal field. That's where all creative ideas are, right? You tap into it. So learning how to create center. Now, most of us, our attention is in front of us. We forget about our back. So we say, oh, have a support system. Yes, that's true. Have people in your life you can talk to. But wait a second, get back to your back. Your back is your support, just like your, like your backbone or your spine. You need to have a sense of energy around the back of you. It flows through your body. As it does that, as it flows through the, the top of your chest, it opens and you start feeling this presence and dignity that 
that naturally begins to happen. You feel stronger. So the second piece is center. You know, the third piece is ground. So most of us are, um, you know, if you look at, if you sense yourself, you have more of a sense of the top part of your body than the bottom part of your body. But yet any tree that stands in the wind or in a hurricane has to have deep roots. You need, these are, these times are the tsunami of change. You need deep roots to survive it, to flow with it and to be productive in it. So what we need to do is learn how to let go, stop fighting this energy of change because, you know, our shoulders go up, our neck gets tight, our solar plexus gets tight. We need to let go, kind of like being in Niagara Falls, you know, just shoo, just let it flow down. Sense, feel the underside of your body. As you're sitting and listening to this podcast, can you sense your thighs on the chair? Can you sense your butt on the chair? Are you holding yourself up? What happens if you just let go? Like a sumo wrestler, you know, just let it spread big, wide, let it spread. Can you feel the back of your legs? Can you feel the feet, the bottom of your feet? Can you sense, feel root system? Ooh, okay. As you practice that, you get grounded. Now, the fourth piece is what they call key flow or energy flow. As you, it's like a, it's like uh, you throw a, a stone in the water, right? And it ripples out. As you sense, feel, and connect with the ground, what happens is it bounces up and the field, the circle around you gets larger, right? So the space around you, you become more spacious. You have a bigger size. You need to be as big, energetically big, as the job you're trying to accomplish, right? If you're not as energetically as big as it, you're going to be depleted, exhausted. You're going to be in your head. You're going to be fighting it. But instead, if you just find that center ground, open up, let yourself just spread this big, big circle around you. I think of it like the sun that's radiating 360 degrees around me, you know, on the bottom, on the top, all through me, just 360 degrees around me. Now I have more space. In business, we call it a leadership presence, you know, but that's what it's about, having that kind of space. When you have that kind of size, that's key flow and size, the energy is moving out through you, not just moving in. See, most of us, when we get stressed, the energy moves in, we contract, our muscles get tight, we, we get small. We want to reverse it. And the way you reverse it is just sense, feel it. Just put your mind on it, boom, it's bigger. You know, it happens in a second. Boom, it's bigger, feel that size. You have a circle around you, you can feel the space around you. The only thing that is limiting how big that size is, is your own mind. Now put your attention outside the boundaries of that circle. Ooh, can you feel another circle? Even bigger, okay? As you play with that and practice it, you're able to walk into a meeting, find that spaciousness, and then walk through the door. There was, I was doing a team building session with, with a group, and there was a woman who was new. You know, she was the new team team member. And before she walked in the door, you know, people were, some people were on their smartphones, some people were talking, some people were, you know, laughing, some people were stressed out, you know. She walks through the door and she stands there and you can feel her presence. It's just big and open and inviting and welcoming, right? And one by one, people start noticing her. She doesn't even do anything. People start noticing her and all of a sudden they sit up and they start smiling and they, you know, she had them before she ever said hello. That's what presence does. When you open up that way, people notice, people notice. And you're not so stressed out because you are as big as the job. Love it. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. 
Attention HR professionals and conference planners. Are you looking for a great speaker for your upcoming meetings or conference? Better contact Mac. Do you need someone who can relate to your audience and deliver a top-notch presentation? Better contact Mac. Are you trying to find a speaker who can both educate and entertain? Better contact Mac. Mac Monroe, the boss builder, is a sought-after keynote speaker and presenter who would love to present at your next meeting. His most popular topics are how to be a great boss for audiences of managers and executives, how to gain a seat at the table for HR professionals, and how to avoid ending up for all employees. Mac is a phenomenal storyteller, and his talks are lively, entertaining, and loaded with actionable strategies that will enable your attendees to make immediate positive changes. To get more information and book Mac to speak at your next conference or meeting, go online to bettercontactmac.com or call us at 931-221-2988. And now, back to the show. Well, think about this. If I'm going to go through my four steps and I get to step number two, then I see a distraction on my smartphone. It's like, it sounds like we're going to reset the process. Yeah. So this means it's time to shut the distractions off. It's, it would be sort of like, I guess, before you went out for a concert, right? You get in the moment and then you get out there and deliver. Yes, that's true. And, you know, sometimes you forget to shut this thing off. Right. When you, in Aikido, in Aikido, and I'm going to make this polite because we're on a podcast, but you know, we used to say, um, oh, poo, oh, base. <laughs> oh, poo, oh, base. Right? <laughs> meaning, meaning like, oh, God, oh, boy, I messed up. Ooh, you know, yeah. All right, you know, the words I'm thinking. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and instead of going off on that story, you quickly go, oh, base, you find your ground again, you find your feet again. Right. Wow. So okay. so it happens in a second as you that shift is fast. You don't have to go through any stories. You don't have to explain. You don't have to just whoop, come back. Whoop, come back. And the good news is base is a four-letter word, too. Yes. <laughs> That's so right. Good deal. Well, all of that sounds great, but let's go a step further because lately you've been talking about self-love as the key to dreaming big, stressing less, and achieving more. So tell us what self-love is and why it's important in the workplace. Yeah. And I should start off by saying, you know, when I was a kid, this whole idea of self-love was a negative thing because I'd see people being narcissistic and, you know, um, boys who were so full of themselves and girls who were pretty, who thought they were, you know, God's gift or something like that. And that wasn't me. So, you know, I didn't like the self-love thing, but now I have a totally different understanding. When I talk about self, I'm not talking about small self, ego self, personality self. I'm talking about large self, large S, your essence. You know, that essence is perfect in each one of us. But most, but so often we are disconnected to our inner self. Now, in business, we tell leaders to be authentic and have integrity and ethics and all that. That's connected to that larger self. Okay. So I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm not talking about entitlement. I'm not talking about selfishness. I'm talking about our essence. And I see that people in organizations and business say, I don't have the time to go to the gym, meditate, do this, do that, you know, that, that is good for me. Well, you know what? We all make, we all set our priorities. We all have the same amount of time. We just choose differently. And I've noticed that people who have self-love, who are deeply connected to this essence of themselves, they make better choices. They take the time to meditate, to use the inner map, to, to go to the gym, to whatever it is, you know, because there is this love of self. Now, what's love? On one hand, love is a noun, which is um, the state of love, 
you know, this uh, vibration of love that we step into naturally. You step into it when you hold your baby. You step into it when you're playing with your dog. You know, you step into it when you're with your lover. You know, it just naturally happens. But love is also a verb. And that means what are the acts or actions that I do that are loving to myself? Do I have self-care? Am I showing self-compassion? Do I accept myself? Do I trust myself? Do I empower myself? Okay. When you have that deep connection with self, which happens through my, how I train is my mindfulness and action work, right? And I've done that work with Colgate and Chanel and different people. When I have that connection, okay, then I can do the self-awareness part. How do I self-care? How do I self, you know, improve my self-compassion? But I have to have the connection or else it's just good ideas. You know, awareness and insights alone do not necessitate change. It's self-awareness and then embodiment, hearness, presence. That equals skillful action. Now, why do you need it in organizations? You know, because this can sound pretty woo-woo, but... You need it in organizations, think about it, because the person who is most productive and engaging is not burning themselves out. Mm -hmm. They got self-care, you know. The person who is more open to the feedback at the performance review has a self has some self-acceptance. Otherwise, if they don't have that self-love, they're going to be defended every time you try to tell them something. You know, the person who can connect and and collaborate with people has to feel pretty good about themselves, you know, not ego self, but the sense of self so that they're, they're able to really go, hmm, I can see your point of view. Oh, yeah, you might be right about that. Or oh, let's, let's build on that. You know, so this is this to me, and you're beginning to see the self love conversation pop up in a lot of places. The difference of what I'm doing is I've added the mindfulness to it, the, the mindfulness connection in action, because so it's not just good ideas or let's just try to change a habit because we all know what it's like to try to change a habit for new year's resolutions. Right. Right. <laughs> I won't eat that cookie. No, no. You know? <laughs> you know, you need to have a little mindfulness. <laughs> so that's the work I'm doing with self-love. Oh, I love that because the very thing that most bosses try to get accomplished is, Hey, listen to the feedback. You need to get better or else. But it's almost like if we reverse this process, people will come asking for it because it's just another addition to I want to be my best self. That's right. And when I have a sense of myself, you know, I have a love of that big S. I have I see it in you. I see that that greater you, you know, that I connect with you in a different way. I want to support you. I want you to be as big as you can be. You know, I don't want to just tell you what's wrong with you. I want to I want to show a mirror to you of who you truly are when you connect with that self, that bigger self. You know, that happens when I have it for myself. So I'm not in competition with you. Wow. Yeah, I love it. Well, let's talk about what an organization can do to support wellness, specifically for someone who is in a position of management, maybe somebody who is in the HR department. It sounds like we better have some systems in place or at least a, a way to kind of re-engineer the culture so that it's more, uh, I guess, more friendly to this. Yeah. You know, right now what I see happening is organizations, depending on the size of them, are offering gyms and yoga and meditation rooms and all that kind of stuff, which is wonderful. And um, But it's not enough because some people are so stressed out, they don't feel that they can take the time to go to the meditation room or go to the yoga class or whatever. And they don't think that their bosses will think that it's really okay that they do that. So yes, continue offering that stuff, but I think we have to go deeper. HR people are the champions of people. That's the, that's the advocate. Yes, you serve the organization, but you serve the people too. You have this mid, mid um, view, you know, you hold the center in a way. 
And um, in order to deepen that view and make it more spacious, one thing that we need to do is we really need to connect with those in our organization. Right now, we do that with employee surveys. I don't like employee surveys. <laughs> it's one more thing you have to do, another piece of paper you have to uh, you have to write. And when you receive that information, HR person, you don't really know what's going on. You don't know if this is a projection of the other person, of the person writing it. You don't know if they have a grievance that hasn't been dealt with. You, you, you don't know. You really don't know where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Now, how I've done this is I've done large group change processes. Okay, so that's one way of doing it. I've brought hundreds or thousands of people together in a room where we took a where we had a topic and together together everyone had a voice we created a new way of dealing with things or a new vision i've done it with the port of singapore when they went from um, a government organization to a corporate organization i've done it with a manufacturing company in tennessee when they needed to uh, raise their quality of their goods and but i but i suggest you know if you can do it right? Not everybody can to bring everyone together to talk about what in the organization is creating stress. You know, what are the policies and procedures that are getting in the way? You know, what do people need from each other? You know, what kind of leadership really eases the stress and which creates more stress? You know, to have that bigger conversation. If you can't have that big conversation in a huge room like that, then what HR people need to do is they need to train leaders to have this conversation with their teams. Okay. Now, if the leader has a problem with the team, or should I say the team has a problem with the leader, you know, people are going to be less uh, willing to talk. You need to address that HR. What happens in that case? How do you get people to really disclose so that it's safe? What do we need to do to create safety in an organization? So that's the first thing that you need to have the conversation to find out what's really going on and what do the people think will ease the stress, right? As opposed to some expert coming in or some CEO coming in and saying what it is. The second thing that needs to happen is we need to create ways that um, that eases the culture. Now, Tim Arns, when I was writing my book, I interviewed Tim Arns, who's the senior vice president of HR for Universal Theme Parks in Orlando. And um, what usually happens in an organization is the uh, CEO, the, the senior team, the C-suite, comes up with a business plan, right? They then the senior HR person comes and he tells his, you know, VPs and then the VPs tell the next level, the directors. And then it goes down, it goes down the chain of command of how this business plan then um, is going to uh, to work in the organization. And here are the goals of HR. What it doesn't say is to everyone on that ladder, what, how meaningful is the work that I'm doing to this strategy? So what Tim did is he brought his people together, everyone, secretaries, vice presidents, everyone. And he said, okay, here's the business plan. Here's how HR's strategy plan fits into the business plan. Now here's how your jobs fit in. Right. So that everyone's attention and arrow and work went to the same direction. Right. It, it empowered everyone. At the end of the meeting, people came over to me and said, for the first time, I understood that my work mattered. Wow. You know, we don't usually do that in organizations. You know, bravo, Tim Arnst. You know? <laughs> right. So 
you know, th things like that. Uh, Mind Valley has gratitude logs. Um, they have ways that we they appreciate people. You know, uh, rituals. Um, they have a committee of people who uh, nobody knows who they are. But when things get really stressed in the organization, they do something funny that just breaks the breaks the uh, mood. You know, because. Remember, there's this thing called contagion theory, mm -hmm. which means you walk into a room where everyone's negative, you walk out feeling negative and toxic. You walk into a room where everyone is positive, you walk away feeling uplifted, right? True. So what this they do is they create ways to uplift people. Nobody knows who this committee is. <laughs> they just kind of sneak it in, you know, whether it's through music or through art or something on a wall or whatever. You know, there's lots of things you can do in an organization. But HR has to take the lead. They're the experts. They need to stand their ground and to actually create stuff, make it a priority. And unless they make it a priority and they might say, oh, I don't have the time because I'm too busy. But what they keep doing, if unless they make it a priority, is they just continue and give uh, credence to this pressured environment. HR needs to be the champion. Well, I'll tell you, if you're an HR professional listening to this, you've got your marching orders. If you're a manager listening to this, give them some space and quit running to them with every little stupid thing you can fix. They've got a much, much higher responsibility. Yes. You know, Amy, everything you've talked about today makes complete sense. And it probably is something a lot of our listeners would say it would not work in my organization. Mm -hmm. But you're an expert at this. And so... I would like you to tell our audience how they can reach out to you for help yep. and how can they get a copy of that book? Yes. Well, the book, the book you can get anywhere on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, any big retailer has the book. Um, and I thank you for buying it. And by the way, the book has not just um, an explanation of these ideas, it takes a look at your personality type and how it deals with stress. I talk about the Enneagram. I talk about conflict resolution. I talk about this inner map. But it also has exercises, practices you can do individually to create that center and ground and attention and size and all of that. And it has exercises you can do with your team, practices to help reduce the stress in your organization. So that's the book. And I thank you for buying it. Um, as far as reaching out to me, uh, you catch me at Amy, and my name is spelled A-I-M, like Mary, E-E, at Open Mind Adventures, and that adventures is plural, dot com, Amy at OpenMindAdventures.com. And anyone who contacts me, I mean, today is the 15th of May. Anyone who contacts me within the next week, if we choose to do work together, that takes us to the uh, seven days, 22nd of May. If we choose to do work together, I will give you a 20% discount, you know, because I want to show you and I want to spread this stuff. This stuff has a lot of meaning for me. Um, so uh, if you contact me within a week, 20% discount. If it takes longer, please contact me anyhow. You know, there's coaching I can do. There's training I can do. There's consulting I can do. And your call with me, the first call with me, that's free, right? Our, our 10-minute conversation, 15-minute conversation, that's free. So don't hesitate to call. You know, you'll find, you know, when, when I started working with a world-class beauty company, uh, there was a lot of restraints about what they can and can't do. You know, we didn't ask for permission. We did things within the budget of this department, and um, we took baby steps Baby steps, baby steps. We kept spreading it. We kept doing it over the course of a few years. And finally, at the end, things were so changed in this organization. The team really was amazing, whereas the team before was great when they were um, 
uh, in crisis, but not so good on a day-to-day level. Now the team was like the, the senior vice president's dream team. The division changed. People said they were having more fun, though they were working harder than ever. And everyone, including administrators, became idea generators. The president of the company comes to this plant, you know, to see, this was an R&D organization, comes to the plant to see, you know, to have a meeting. He sees that everyone is smiling. They're laughing. They're having a good time. He says to the senior vice president of R&D, what's going on here? Why is it so different than other divisions? And then we told him. He brings his executives in limousines to this plant, we had a big town hall meeting where they could ask anything of anyone. Nothing was scripted. They were so impressed with what was going on, they left and they created their own initiative to change the company. So let me tell you something. All you need to do is start the process. And when it becomes naturally so big, energetically so full, people start noticing, they go, wow, look what they're doing. Oh, I want to find out. Maybe I can do it too. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We can find safe ways for you to do this, but make the change. You know, when you change yourself so that you have more empowerment, more self-love, you change your world. And that's when you can begin to change your organization. Well, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today and for giving us all the great tips and suggestions and contact information. If you're listening to this, I encourage you strongly to reach out to Amy. You will not regret it. Amy, thank you again and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Mac. Our guest today was Amy Bernstein. You can reach out to Amy at her website at openmindadventures.com and you can find out more about her book, Stress Less, Achieve More, Simple Ways to Turn Pressure into a Positive Force in Your Life at StresslessAchieveMore.com. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information. And sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, We invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on-site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.